Hi, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find out more about what we do at officehours.global. Our first hour is general discussion about media production of all kinds. And our second hour on Saturdays is general discussion about media of all kinds. We go until we just run out of questions. Um, so, uh, so we, you know, it, it could be an hour long, 45 minutes long, an hour and a half long. Uh, we do request that you don't try to ask, ask lots and lots of questions. Just keep it to three or four for the day. And then we'll just, if we get through them, we get through them. Um, but uh, yeah, so we've got a bunch of questions coming in. One thing to note is that um, you can ask questions anytime now. In fact, about half of the questions we have today are coming in from our new little uh, QR code. And so you can basically, if you see this QR code. That's not the right one. Hold on. Let me turn that off. I reset my thing. Now you can see something else that has nothing. It's not like it's secret. You can go see it. It's just, it's our test, um, my test front end. Uh, so you'll see Acme. You can ask questions there if you want. Um, the, uh, let's see here. This is, this is what I was supposed to show you here. Um, I had to reset my, my switcher. One thing that's interesting is I'm now having to, I get the gray screen every morning. <laughs> so I'm going to have to stop using, um, uh, UVC from my switcher, I think, from to Zoom. Uh, it doesn't do it anywhere else, but Zoom and ATEMs are not getting along. Uh, so yeah, so if you use um, this, this is the askofficehours.com. Uh, and you can use that uh, any time of the day. So, and then what we do is we get up in the morning, we just import them into, um, import, import them into Makana and then people can still vote on them. So if, it's still better. I mean, if you log into Makana, you can chat with each other and you can vote on things and you can do all those things there. So it's still, there's still a value to being in Makana, but if you just want uh, to ask a quick question and you're watching on YouTube right now, and that right now can be Anytime when you're seeing this video, <laughs> you can you can select this and ask your questions, and and that's starting more and more people are starting to use it. Um, and we're it's interesting we're seeing new people, which which is great, um, asking a lot of great questions. So um, feel feel free to use that, and we'll leave that up for a little while for you to see it. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the first question, Robert. Thanks, Alex. Uh, from Thomas Tomchak, Chicago, Illinois. How do people typically learn to be a technical director on live shows? I act as a TV TD sometimes on a TriCaster Elite, but it can be weeks or months in between jobs. Every time I'm doing a show again, I feel like I'm starting over. Good, Laura. Well, um, one one way would be it's not a TriCaster, but um, go to the email, go to the office hours email, and get into the crew here. And get some practice that way. Hey, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. There's two levels of things, uh, Thomas, that you have to learn. You have to learn how a show flows and how a crew works together. And you'll get some of that, like Laura said, by working on this show. But there's really no substitution to, but, uh, for sitting behind a switcher and, you know, getting comfortable with your hands and, you know, getting that muscle memory, which we were talking about right before the show. Um there is no class that you can take, no degree that you can get, no certification that you can obtain that will allow you to walk into like a big sports truck and sit down and hit a, you know, punch a uh, NBA game just right from the get go where, where nobody knows you. It will never happen. That doesn't happen. You have to build yourself up through the ranks. And what it usually means is you're going to, you, you, you need to find something where you are sitting there day in and day out probably working on stuff you don't really want to work on. But you've got to get the hours in. You've got to understand what it's like to sit in a chair through all nine innings of period of time. You know, as an editor, I've lost any ability to, to concentrate for when I can concentrate, but 
hey, I have to go to the bathroom or I'm thirsty. I'm going to stand up and go get a drink. You don't do that in the middle of a baseball game. And you, you, there's a lot of things to, uh, to learn that you have to get super comfortable with because you're in a position where the whole show can come crumbling down. I have a great story I'll tell sometime in after hours um, where a whole show comes tumbling down and they don't let just anybody sit there. You have to prove yourself. You have to, you know, in like in the sports world, you start on doing like jumbotron on high school games or college games. And then you work up eventually, you can sit in a truck doing a, a major league game. Um, but you, you're right. It is like starting over and you have to put in the hours. So if you think you want to work at this level, you might have to work on things like this. Do the time, get the experience, meet everybody around you. Good, Gordon. Uh, yeah, Chris is, is right there about the muscle memory. You have to get familiar with the hardware, uh, depending upon what switcher you're going to be working with. You got to spend a lot of time on that switcher, know where all the ME buses are and which ones cascade into which ones. Uh, and we, we used to have situations when I started in, in television with Grass Valley switchers that you could get into a, a fairly difficult you know, situation with split screen between two people in the lower third over the bottom and it's the end of the show and you want to fade to black and there's no one button that'll get you out of that. There was no fade to black button on the program bus. So you had to double punch so that the image wouldn't change to get you back onto the bus where you could fade to black on the program bus. But it was, uh, so it's tricky. You have to, it depends on the specific switcher and I know the TriCaster the problem is you can save settings and if you go into it and uh, somebody has it set up for the way that they like to switch and they've saved that profile and you go in there and their profile is up save your own profile once you've worked with it so that you know on that switcher you can come back to it and you know where all the buttons are and what cameras etc are punch, punched into which inputs and so on so uh, you have to get familiar enough to be able to switch almost blindfolded and uh, be able to listen to the director because uh, the director has a certain pacing to him. And, you know, he'll say, ready, two, two. And, you know, you got to be very fast to be ready on two and know where that two button is without looking down uh, to take it on his command. So uh, get used to the director and watch over the shoulder with somebody else TDing for that specific director to learn his pacing. That's a good, good suggestion, too. Good, Chris. Yeah, last thing I'll say is uh, I did all the, the sports stuff that I did. I did like 30 plus years ago. I'm really glad I did it. I think it, it's really a great experience to do it. And I would never do it again. It's, <laughs> There's so many things like that. It, I mean, I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit it's the most you know impressive thing that I can refer to in my career. Most of the stuff I've done is just ridiculous. But... I, I don't think I could do it these days. It's yeah. so much different. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the hard part is it's just some of it is just hours, just lots and lots and lots of hours of doing something. You know, I, I uh, um, you know, the, there was a decade for me that was a grind. You know, like it was a it was a hundred hours a week, typically eighty to a hundred hours a week for a decade. I traveled a quarter million miles a year. I was on some show somewhere. I'd wake up and I didn't know what continent I was on, and uh, you know, all I was managing was high you know, high profile live streams for a decade. And I'm, but the, the key was, is that, A, I had to get it done. It doesn't matter whether you like to do this or not, or whether it's a good idea or not. It doesn't matter whether it was structured correctly or not. You just get better at it and you get better at, you know, figuring it out. And, but also 
I was working with many, many, many different teams. So every day it was a new team, different creative team, different, um, you know, design team, different uh, broadcasting. So there's a, there's a thing you get, you learn by just doing a lot of it. And then there's something you get by learning with a lot of other people. So I would take, oh, these people are crazy when they do that. But this is really interesting. I really like what they did there. And I would do that three to five times a week. <laughs> you know, like I'm just, just constantly in this, in this zone. And it was like, I would never want to, I, w- I won't do it again. Like I've been a little bit more like I won't try. <laughs> like some people don't do dishes. And I, I'm very much like, it's very hard to get me to leave and get on a plane um, because I'm, I'm so not wanting to do that again. And I feel like I missed a big chunk of time with my family and all those other things. But my skill set is, is really high and I'm able to figure out a lot of things in real time because of all of that time. And it, the problem is, is that it's not something that you can, well, I'm going to do some research on, on the internet and try to figure it out or, or anything else. It's like muscle, like low end, like I could hear, there was an event I was working on. I could hear a little tick, 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 like this, it's super subtle. And I'm like, Hey, I can hear this ticking. And I know that that's a mismatch between the encoder and the decoder. And I, cause I've heard it before. <laughs> for months, you know, like we worked on it, like we could hear it. And we, and so the thing is like, but these are streaming specialists on the other side going, I don't hear it. And I'm like, it's there. And they said, well, nothing's being added. I don't see it in the levels. I'm like, no, it's the absence of something. It's not the entrance. You're, you're losing bits along that stream. And, and it was just me outlining something that I had heard before, but you would never, I mean, any, if you had never heard a mismatch between the encoder and decoder before, you, would ne- you wouldn't even hear it happening, you know, and, and that's the kind of stuff that happens when you do thousands of events <laughs> like, and, and you have to, and you're the one that had to figure those out. Um, so I agree with Chris that it's just so much of it is just getting things down to muscle memory. And I know we, Chris and I like to agree once a year just to make sure that there's, we create continuity, um, you know, in that process. But the, the best thing to do, what I would say is that, you know, this is also why black magic took so much of the ground is because you can get a relatively inexpensive switcher, an ATEM, a little ATEM mini, and that interface changes very little from the ATEM mini to the, to the uh, 4ME is just, or the Constellation, there's only minor changes to it. So, and that is why Blackmagic just really owns a huge chunk of the market, you know, um, and it's a lot less expensive than TriCaster. So, so it becomes that, so that, that becomes a, you know, I can get into it for third, for 300 bucks or for a thousand dollars or $4,000. I mean, even a $10,000 Constellation, which has an incredible amount of 8K or 4K IO is $10,000, not 40,000, like the TriCaster or 20,000, you know, like those things. And so, and, so, and, the, and again, you have this, the hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of people that bought the minis are all, all now understanding interface, you know, so, so as Blackmagic, I think, continues to upgrade their, their switching um, hardware, I think they just have this huge thing. And, and what we want to do, and we've done it as tests, and we haven't really been able to rebuild it, but is to take shows that we do, what we want to do is do test shows, um, and then just have them constantly looping like we did with the 12 people looping for Zoom ISO. Then you just have four, and then if you have Zoom ISO, you could just grab onto those and start cutting. <laughs> you know, like just cutting, adding graphics. Cool. And we want to we want to uh, record the um, TD, that we want to record the director so that you can listen to a director and just cut to it. That's the best way to learn. I mean, that'd be the best way to, for you to get used to it is to just do the things that they're asking for. One thing I will say is that I know that NEP and the Thursday Night Football folks and all the other folks always talk about the fact that they can't find enough people. Um, if you're willing to intern and be on a truck and not make much, you know, make minimum wage, uh, there's a lot of people uh, that will let you jump on that truck because they're looking for people who are interested in doing those things because they just can't find enough of them. Their labor is a huge shortage. So if you 
um, you know, go to any, go to, go to a company like NEP, NEP is based outside of Pittsburgh, I think. But if you go to, if you call them and say, I'm interested in doing it, they probably, they'd probably put you on a truck tomorrow. You just have to know that you're not going to make any money. Like the big thing about, um, the big thing about broadcast is you don't really make any money for the first 10 years. <laughs> like, you know, like it's, it's like, you know, like you're, you're just grinding through. I mean, it's different than film. You might, it's only two years. <laughs> you can, you can, you know, PA and you start making some money, but in broadcast, it's like 10 years of pulling cables and running things. And, but that's how you know how to do what you're doing, you know? And, and you saw like Brad came on and Brad was, you know, he's the TD for, for Thursday night football. And, and, you know, his father was doing trucks, you know, so he grew up in it, you know, and, and, and he understood it as he started to work through it, but he also worked on a lot of low level stuff before he got to work on what he's working on now, which is probably the highest level of live that you can do right now. And, um, and so I think that, um, the, but that takes a long, that takes a, a long time. So you're competing with kids that are 18 years old that can do that, that don't have families, that don't have house payments, that don't have all those other things. So you kind of have to think about, you know, that's the hard part when you get older is you got a bunch of overhead, you know? And so, uh, if you can reduce that overhead, the other thing that I've, you know, I had a, there was a guy that, uh, I was shooting a movie. Uh, we were shooting a short film for a friend and this guy came with the nicest, uh, a techno crane that I'd ever seen. It was big and red. It was red. I don't, I don't know why you have a red techno crane. Anyway. And, um, and he said, well, I said, what are you, would you come out of Hollywood? And cause this is in Minneapolis. And he's like, no, he goes, he goes, I just figured if I bought this, then people would, would bring me on set and I could learn how to do it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what did you do before? He goes, he goes, oh, I, I had a problem with uh, snoring. So I built this little strip that goes over your, your, your nose. <laughs> he, goes, he, goes, he goes, I made some money. <laughs> so, so anyway, so, so he's, so he's really into film and, um, and he, uh, and, and he just wanted to learn, but that's the key is I will tell you, there are a lot of people that I know that just get gear and get things and are willing to spend free time, low, low paid work. That's how you get in. Like, you know, the free is the straw that drank a thousand milkshakes, you know, and, and, you know, being able to provide that and get in, that's how a lot of people wedge their way into this if they don't have a, a traditional method. Um, so you just got to be ready that it's not going to pay well, it may not pay at all, it may require a lot of stuff. But if you really are committed to getting into that, that's how, that's the fastest way actually to wedge your way into the system. Go ahead, Laura. To your point, Alex, um, being this crew is an amazing group of people. And I have learned so much over the last two and a half years watching and listening and just kind of figuring out where I fit. What yep. And it, it's, it's all volunteer. We're an all volunteer crew. And um, it's just. It's, well, it's, it's the, 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 the big thing here is that this, um, you know, we have figured out how to seamlessly build. I mean, you look, I felt like yesterday was near peak, <laughs> near peak um, office hours. You know, we had uh, six panelists from four countries and when not like four countries that were next to each other. I mean, two of them were, you have Canada and the U.S., Germany, Singapore, there's, I think there might have been one more, um, you know, in Italy. So, so, um, so we had, um, so we had all these countries that were there, we were seamlessly taking, we had more questions than we knew what to do with. We had these incredible experts talking about it. We had this incredible crew on the back end cutting that together. And that is the, you know, that was, I, you know, I think this week overall, when we talked about it a little bit before the show, it's kind of peak office hours, you know, like between yeah. the different interviews and the different people that we brought in and, um, you know, and everything else. Um, but, uh, and we'll, the goal is to get to that every week. You know, that's what it looks like. But what it takes, if you look at the opportunities that we had with, uh, you know, having Stu and, and having, you know, um, 
uh, Robert Scoville and and having the Plates Pro, I thought was a great, uh, you know, a great, um, the, the great management one that was built by the team on Monday, uh, the NDI discussion on Friday, you know, that doesn't get done without a big team willing to do it. <laughs> like, you know, it's not, it's not like I can do that. You get those people to just show up and have an hour chat. And um, so the team really makes this, you know, all the teams, the management teams and the production teams and everything else. But in addition to that, we figured out how to so relatively seamlessly um, build a show that is run by a global team. And I think that's going to become more and more valuable as we move forward. Uh, next question. From Alexander Knight, Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, Canada, looking for recommendations on a robust WordPress theme that works well for podcasts. Need something that can display an audio or video player automatically based on an embedded le link. Go ahead, John. So I've built hundreds of WordPress sites over the years, and uh, there, uh, there's not one specific to to podcast that's sticking out. I would check with uh, with Ken to see what he's using, uh, because we've got all of our stuff on Office Hours on that theme, and that's WordPress. Uh, I use Avada, which is a great theme. It could easily. I've got podcast sites built on Avada. The other big one out there is Divi. Those two are probably the leading um, WordPress themes. But check with Ken too. I go ahead, Samuel. Yeah, I agree with John. Uh, there's probably not a specific one, uh, but I also look at plugins because you can embed the embed the streams with plugins, uh, regardless of what uh, theme you use. I used one called Nisarge, I believe it's called, and I've used a plugin that's called YouTube Embed Plus to embed YouTube playlists directly to the site, and then you can just add it to the to the playlist and it will appear on the site. Good, Mitchell. Yeah, on the embedded uh, area, YouTube is very, very uh, comprehensive in terms of the uh, embedded data that you can put. You can tell where it's going to start, whether it's going to autoplay. There's so many things you can do with it. I guess it's JavaScript based, but I just know that uh, if you're going to do uh, any type of uh, website, uh, YouTube is a good place to uh, do your program from. Next question. From Douglas Carmichael, would an Aperture MC Pro be a solid desktop lighting solution for the home office? Or would a Pavel 2 be a better choice? And the link is provided to Aperture.com. Good, Courtney. And I don't like either one of those choices. The 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 Aperture, is they make fine lights. Uh, the one that you pointed to, though, was really designed for camera, mounting on top of a camera when you're hand-holding something that's portable it can you can carry around with you it's pocketed small size and the thing i don't like about these is the the uh discrete leds you have to put some diffusion on them otherwise they're a little too harsh and it's a little too small an area i prefer going to something like uh, the Niwar. uh this particular one the gl 25b is about a 13 incher it's a edge lit panel so you don't see any discrete leds so it's diffuse it's about 13 inches, has a desk clamp on there uh, to mount it uh, on your rig uh, at home for home or office. And it looks more like a, you know, it lights you up like a nice soft window light in front of you rather than a kind of a harsh local light that can cause multiple shadows if, from those discrete LEDs. And um, it uh, is quite a bit cheaper than the Aperture. Uh, I think they're around, you know, $89, I think, for the one that I showed. It's bi-color, so it can uh, change color temperatures. And then if, if you wear glasses, also if it's reflected in your glasses, it looks more like a window and not like an actual multi-point light of all the old LEDs, which is really annoying to see reflected in glasses. 
Yeah, I, and you can also build larger ones. Like mine, again, I've talked about the pass is three feet by five feet with lights behind it. And you put newer lights back there or whatever you want. <laughs> you can buy CFLs or whatever you want to do, LEDs. So there's a lot of things you can do back there. It's going to create a nice big soft light for you. So think about that as well. Um, I think the app, I agree with uh, Courtney that the aperture light is probably a little too small. Um, to uh, to It'll be very sourcey. Um, so I probably wouldn't, wouldn't want to go down that path. Um, next question. From Mitchell Hill, Wilmington, Delaware, and here on the panel, Alex, can you tell us some IML stories? Robin Williams at the library would be a good start. <laughs> Not on air. So so uh, if you ask me something like that on a Sunday or, or if, if I talk about it before the show, a lot of times if I come on before the show, I'll tell funny stories about, uh, you know, funny travel stories. But uh, um, anyway, uh, I think we were talking before the show that Robin Williams is really funny. <laughs> Next question. From Paul Wallace, Austin, Texas, how would you set up four iPhone 14 Pro Maxes using NDI as cameras? How would you connect them to a 4250 router with an Ethernet dongle of some kind? Netgear 4250-8G2XF-POE+. Uh, if you wanted to, you could, you can basically, I mean, I would, I would wait until next week uh, to see what happens with Apple because, or not next week, but the week after, uh, most likely you're going to have USB-C iPhones coming out and those are going to be a lot easier to connect to everything than what, what's happening right now. Right now, what you would do is take a lightning, uh, connection and it'd be lightning to two lightnings. And then out of one of those lightnings is lightning to, or lightning to USB and lightning. Then it's USB to ethernet. And then you have, you tie those ethernets into your hub and you power each one of them and it would be a huge mess and I would never do it. <laughs> so, so like, but that's how you, if you're asking how, that's how you would do it. If you're asking would, no, 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 not would. Uh, go ahead, um, uh, go ahead, Courtney. Does anyone make a lightning to uh, ethernet connection that, that will take POE, power over ethernet and charge over the lightning port for the, uh, uh, I don't the know. iPhone to keep think, it powered up the entire time. That mm, would be really cool because just mm, one dongle then you wouldn't have to mess with the double yeah. switch dongle, you know, to keep it yeah. running. Yeah, I've never seen that. I mean, I just I just haven't tried. You There's know, an opportunity for you inventors out there. And it's going to be a grand a lightning it's gonna be because that's going to be a grand, oh, be a grand <laughs> opportunity for the next two weeks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> next next question. From Ned DeVivic. St. Louis, Missouri, how do you remote control PowerPoint from an iPad, phone, or tablet when the PPT is on a PC? Uh, go ahead, Samuel. Uh, well, there's this uh, program called Internet Clicker that you can use. Uh, it's, a, it's a web uh, service, but if you want to do a little bit more DIY uh, solution, you can set up a companion and Vicro listener or something like that and uh, open companion interface on the iPad. Yep, that's exactly the way I would do it. Now, next question. From oops, Jonathan Brownlee, Vacaville, California. What happened to Beyonce this week? How do you fix it or avoid it? Incidentally, she is appearing, appearing here at SoFi Stadium uh, this weekend. Hopefully it won't happen again at SoFi. This was in Arizona. Um, the, what, the problem that happened was she lost. they lost audio, not power, but audio for 10 minutes. Um, so the, the concert went out. Um, the, literally, the audio dropped out for 10 minutes and somebody... I'm sure there's a lot of meetings like that's that's one of those ones that generates them just just so you know that's like a that's a um, what we call a molecular changing event for people uh, when that kind of thing happens in front of that many people it's it's not going to be minor someone's someone is going to hang on to their job by their by their by their um, fingernails or not you know so that was a that's a huge issue 
a lot of ways that this can happen. Um, you know, generally, I would say for 10 minutes, it sounds like something, some kind of power or something else went out. Um, it, there's a, but there's many places that it can happen. We've seen issues in concerts with clocking. And so um, clocking is the number one thing that, we, that gets us in, in, a, in a concert environment. You have a lot of things being built up and someone decided to add something else to it and is sitting on side of Dante or Maddie or whatever. And that clocking doesn't match up. And, um, and then, you know, everything is based on that clocking. So when it goes, when it goes sideways, um, a lot of bad things happen. Um, and so that's, that's the thing that we've seen the most common, but 10 minutes is a very long time for something to go down. Um, but I have seen shows that were delayed by at least 10 minutes because of the clocking errors, but usually it happened before the show, not during the show. Go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, their power problems are are a big gotcha. And sometimes if they don't do the sound check at full volume, I've been in in events where they didn't check the the, uh, uh, sound system at full volume. And when you fill the stadium full of people or the event uh, location full of people, it takes a lot more power to drive to the same volume. And uh, the at one concert, they just blew the in, the transformer, the power transformer for the stage that all the audio amplifiers were plugged into, because the drummer hit one huge downbeat and the the signal was turned up so high, it just instantly blew the transformer. Yeah. So yeah. it can happen. You have to rehearse and make sure that you have enough power. You know, another forty to fifty percent power handling capability above the maximum power that you can consume. Yeah, I mean, with as with everything else we've said, you you design your systems to be some around forty percent capacity. So the system has to have sixty percent of headroom because then when they start adding things or going, oh, we'll do one more thing or whatever, you don't want to go over sixty percent capacity. You know, you want to you want to have that headroom all the time. And if you start seeing it, you know, get above sixty percent capacity of any system, that means your CPU or your power or anything, or even your crew you should start to think about your life choices and, and thinking about how this works because usually that's what creates a cascading event and a cascading event is what creates what we saw at the Beyonce, most likely what we saw there. Next question. From Laura Thompson, Beaumont, Texas, and here on the panel, is there a way to use documents created in an MS office in Apple software? Go ahead, Courtney. Sure. It'll load uh, pages, I think, will load doc files or docx files. So that should work fine. And you want to export them. If you need to share them with someone else, you need to export them out in the same format. Uh, but you should be able to go back and forth between the Apple uh, custom software and Microsoft Word, which does exist on Apple as well. Uh, so you could use that. And there's a number of open source programs that are compatible with Microsoft Office that are free. You could download and use those. I agree with Courtney that, that you can import the DocX, but as someone who uses doesn't have Microsoft Office on my computer, um, I will tell you that it doesn't import them necessarily well. <laughs> so if you do anything special in PowerPoint or 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 uh, or Word, uh, when it comes into Pages or Keynote or or going from Excel to you know things, a lot of things can break on the way in. So it's not it's not a, necessarily a smooth transition. Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, I agree to what's being said here. Uh, uh, with my Apple, it, uh, it never met a MS document it didn't like. So I've done pretty well with it. Yeah, good Maybe I'm lucky. <laughs> the only issue I just realized that why this isn't working for me is because they are shared documents on OneDrive. And I'm, oh, yeah, trying, to, I'm <laughs> trying to keep them updating in real yeah. time. No, you have um, to use Word for that. That's that. I just realized that that's, it's, it's not a matter of I can download them, import them. Right. But like 
I'm dealing with live documents that are that there are multiple people trying to edit at the same time and yeah. and numbers funny. just doesn't want when, them. When we get live documents, we move them into Google so fast that it's like, you know, like it's not like I know that there's people who use Microsoft, but but we just we just use Google Docs for all of those things. The university you know, won't let me use a Google Doc. Yeah, I've yeah. begged. We're a Microsoft yeah. campus. And yeah. I just find that when I have Excel and Word and Outlook and Teams open and I'm yeah. trying to do anything else, it just like even an M1 Mac Pro, even the MacBook Pro M1 is I'm finally like choking it. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it. Anyway, next question. From Jeff Bernstein in Easton, Maryland. I noticed the Netgear 42 switches the NDI guys mentioned yesterday in our second hour has NDI 5 with Dante. I heard that Dante and NDI do not play nice on the same VLAN. Did this change? Do they now play nice together? Uh, they play nice together when you use a forty-two fifty. <laughs> so the, the, these are the these routers, these Netgear routers, are designed to support um, Dante and NDI within the same router. Um, so do they play nicely? Not naturally. Uh, will they play nicely if managed properly? Yes. And how do you do that? The easiest way is using uh, Netgear's uh, tools that w- that are designed to make that actually work. Or switches. I uh, mean, uh, yeah. Next question. From Corlin McCorkle in Born and Mouth, Leeds, England. I've heard about different wiring to get better sound and video. What is an isolated ground mesh network and how do you build it to have perfectly clean signals? So I don't know the answer to the ground mesh network answer, but I can say that Generally, clean signals are generated by using the same the same circuit. When you have two circuits, the problem is is that you have electrons that want to get to they want to go to ground, and you're giving them a different opportunity <laughs> to get to ground, and they're using your audio cables to get there. Uh, you know, electricity is. I mean, there's a whole second hour there somewhere of us talking about electrical. Uh, I've I've studied it a bit because of, my father work, works with what's called stray voltage, which is something that. Um, is a is a legal problem for a lot of electric companies that you know electricity always wants to go home <laughs> you know it's so so it is um, and it goes home through anything it can find and what's happening when you have two when you have your equipment plugged into two different circuits is it's using the wrong one to get home and uh, you can hear it on the audio channels uh, go ahead Courtney yeah the solution is just to route all of your electrical uh, from a single point. Um, if you get, if it's at all possible, sometimes it's not possible, but like, for example, when I was running teleprompters, we'd have problems with ground loops showing up on CRTs as rolling bars. And so from, uh, in every situation, I would have one place that I would plug in that would be a grounded outlet and I would send video and AC to every device that I'm going to be using all and all of those AC cables were plugged into the common ground distributed from the single point that I am plugged into. So you don't have multiple paths to ground. Um, if you do have multiple paths to ground, it's a source, like Alex said, for a hum to uh, sneak in because the ground differential will carry a voltage and that'll show up as hum in your audio. So uh, have grounded cables. Make sure you distribute audio to all of your peripheral equipment from one point and you should not have a grounding problem. And, you know, we have had in some cases, extreme cases of this, we've actually um, come with enough, you know, we've had for certain components 
that aren't high voltage but are sensitive to it, we put them on battery. And even even we've even had, you know, because the battery doesn't doesn't need that. So so that's the um, so that's another way to kind of handle it. I know one audio company that I worked with that short of amplification, which was given a ground, everything they did was on battery, which I thought was crazy. But, but anyway, it was, but they did nothing when they could run 12 hours on, on a battery charge and for a three hour event or whatever. And they just, that's how they ran all of their core equipment, you know, to make that happen. Uh, uh, go ahead, Courtney. Yeah. One other way to avoid, if you, if it's unavoidable, use fiber connections between two points and, and that will not carry the ground loop with it. So it's, it's kind of like operating wireless. Yeah. Use a wireless link to, to get rid of your ground loops or optical fiber. Next question. From Paul Wallace, Austin, Texas. What kind of featureful KVM would you use that would be consistent with a bunch of Melee or B-Link type mini computers? Go ahead, Samuel. Uh, I use uh, uh, Synergy from Seamless. It's a software, KVM, and that's worked very well for my needs. I've uh, connected four computers together and used one uh, one uh, keyboard and mouse, and I just move over to the next one. It works very well for me, at least. Yeah, and I have, you know, I, I just have some pretty simple KVMs. Um, this is the one that I'm using right now. I just moved up to eight um, of these, and it's a KV, who makes it? T-Tech. T-Tech, T-E-T-E-K, and it works fine. Um, it's eight channels, and it has uh, RS-232 as well, so I'm planning to put some stuff in there so that I can talk to it remotely um, rather than having to push the little buttons. So, and it was like 80 bucks, not very expensive. Um, you can get more expensive ones, obviously, um, uh, uh, but those are H, uh, oh, now I'm I'm not going to get it right, but there's a company that really makes the, the high-end ones, but, the, but for 80 bucks, this one's worked pretty well. Next question. From Mitchell Hill, Wilmington, Delaware, have you seen the new Bose Model 3 Tesla exhaust speaker? Not sure this is a real product, but it's real funny. And there is a link to ifunny.co. And go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, I, I kind of doubt it's a real product because it's on iFunny. And what it is, it's a pair of uh, speaker tailpipes for your uh, Model 3 so that you can... Uh, Pedestrians will hear you coming and you can program it with the sounds of like the Jetsons car or, you know, a, a Honda Civic with cutout number and so on. So but, uh, there, there are a lot of uh, pedestrian, pedestrian, car pedestrian accidents are up a huge amount since electric cars came around. And well, that and people that are looking at their phones, they're walking across the street and driving their cars. But other than that, uh, this would definitely give you a warning that comes in. It's a good, it's a good promo for Bose too. Good, Mitchell. Um, it takes me back to my bicycle and I had the Mattel Varum installed on my bike and anybody can remember that was this thing you could crank it and it would make the sound of a Varum. So... I agree with the uh, stealth issues of uh, some of the cars out there right now. Can't tell when they sneak up on you. Next question. From Joe Phillips, Murphy, North Carolina. With the iPhone 15 rumors of two gigabytes, USB-C, and enhanced optics, is it an entry-level alternative to traditional camera rig? Go ahead, John. The answer is yes. Every every time I take out my Ursa 12 case and and my iPhone, I end up using more footage on my iPhone than I do my Ursas. Um, and I'm upgrading to the 15, so I'll let you know how that works out. Next question. From John Preto, Las Vegas, Nevada, and here on the panel, Google announced yesterday that they are dropping support of the Dropcam for their ongoing Nest service in April of 2024. Thoughts? Go, John. 
dropping. Did you get that one? Yeah. So if you bought if you bought the original cameras, which were drop cams before Google acquired them, the drop cam or the drop cam pro, no bueno after April of next year. And and these cameras are hundreds of dollars, and I've got eleven of them installed. So I'm going through my list now and see how many I'm going to have to upgrade. It's it's no bueno. I, I don't know why they're. I mean. I don't know why they don't, they don't let them just keep working. Like it's, you know, and, and it's, you know, and I think that I know that uh, I've got a bunch of Nest cams. And I've got like you probably eight or 10 drop cams that, that I have. And, um, you know, when you see that they're all going to be end of life, you're just like, really? <laughs> like, you know, I'm still angry about the Sonos thing with the amps. Um, I've got 14 amps that were bricked, you know, by Sonos and I won't buy any of their, more of their products. Like that's the problem is, is like, there was no good reason for them to do that. Like they were working perfectly well and they, and they bricked them. And now I, I as far as I'm concerned, that brand is dead to me, you know, and, and that's the, um, and so that the, that's the real problem is that, you know, I look at that and I go, well, I probably shouldn't have bought all those nests, you know, like eventually, you know, those will get bricked as well. Um, so, so I just think that I think end of lifing things, just randomly saying, we're going to not support these anymore, rather than allowing them to just, you know, like Apple lets you limp along with whatever. I mean, we have people who have, I have computers that are over 10 years old that you just, you know, you use them for something, but it's not like Apple bricked them, you know? And so that's, that's the thing that's a kind of a pain. Um, next question. From Paul Wallace, Austin, Texas, Meta may allow Instagram and Facebook users in Europe to pay to avoid ads in response to European Union's policies and court rulings to restrict Meta's data collection practices. Discuss. I haven't been really tracking it, so I don't know. I don't know. If, so I, I don't, you know. Yeah, sure. Next question. From Jason Robert Shaw, Sarasota, Florida, recommend affordable portable assistive learning devices for museum walking tours and lectures to some 10 people. Is there an app for that? Unity seems too complex. Well, I mean, we've talked to people about it and it's just been a matter of building the platform that would allow us to do it. Um, I, you know, my whole thing is, is that I don't really, uh, I won't use the, if you go to a museum, there's little things you can put up against your ear and it, uh, and then you listen to it and everything else and you go to each thing. And if, in addition to feeling very old, um, I won't use shared stuff. <laughs> like, like I just like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put up that up against my ear. I'm, I'm not gonna put those little headphones on. That's weird and gross as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so, so that's the big problem. I just want my iPhone to work. Like I just want it to, you know, and, um, I don't actually, the other thing is, is that I don't really want to go with a group of people. So I don't want to go as a group. I want to go to every item and where things get really interesting there. And what we've been kind of, a lot of us have been thinking about is, and, and I'm kind of curious because it doesn't seem like it's picking up as fast as I thought it would. And that's often the case is ultra wideband allows us to identify where a phone is within about six to 10 centimeters. And so it's a very small little ball that we know where someone is. And if you use a little bit of object tracking, you can tell exactly where they are, like to the millimeter. And I would rather, what I want to be able to do is go to the King Tut, you know, let's say exhibit or whatever, and be able to walk up to something and pick up my phone and have AR and have it show me things and talk to me or just 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 talk to me as I walk around. Um, but I, don't, I want the I want an individual experience. I don't really want a group experience, to be honest. Like it's not something I'm interested in as a as a user. Maybe if you were going to give me a tour virtually, I'd love to have a big group and we all ask questions and everything else. But um, I don't I don't usually really enjoy a large group of people or even 
10. <laughs> That's just too many, too many people if you don't have the tools to manage it well. Go ahead, Courtney. Uh, the, another alternative, I recommended this to a couple of people that were doing museum exhibits. There's something called Holosonics uh, Audio Spotlight. And it's a highly directional audio spotlight transducer that you put above your above each exhibit. And you can only hear that exhibit if you're standing in a specific area in front of that exhibit. You don't hear it broadcasting throughout the rest of the area. It doesn't require anyone to have their have a device or load anything onto their phone. And these days with privacy concerns, that's a big issue about loading a special app on your phone to just monitor in a museum. People don't want to do that because they think you're tracking them after you leave the museum, et cetera. Right. But something like this... Uh, could, it's fairly expensive, though, uh, to, to install that in front of each exhibit. Uh, but then the people could um, could hear what's going on at each exhibit without it interfering with everybody at the next exhibit. Yeah, yeah. I've I've worked with a couple of those those types of speaker systems, and they they do work very well. Actually, they're very very directional. You can't hear them until you're standing right under it. But then you have to wait for people to stand right under it. <laughs> so I just don't. I you know I I I have to. And I and I admit I'm probably on the outer edge of not really like to interact with other people, and I don't like to interact with strangers in public. <laughs> like it's just like it's not it's not that's not my it's not my my happy space. So um so it keeps me out of a lot of these things because I just don't want to like I just want to go and just wander around and get the information that I want as I go. Um, I think that you could have a group of people, if you have, a, if you have a, a, a person who really knows what they're talking about, there is some advantage to doing it as a group, but I think I'd rather do that virtually than, than to be in the, in the same space. So it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting puzzle. Next question. From Sally DeMarcus, Detroit, Michigan, I keep getting stuck in meetings with lots of bad video sharing and audio. What's up with that? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that the best thing to do is to invest in your own system. It, it, it you know, use uh, shame to uh, to push people, for, to nudge people forward over time. Um, you know, so you don't have to say anything about it. You just be there. And and the thing is, is it pushes people up against realizing that their system isn't very good. Um, and so, I, you know, but I think that, I do think that people, especially if you're working from home, I will, I was just talking to someone about this yesterday, you really need to upgrade your system. It's part of why people think that you're not, you know, like you're not really part of it. And you can very easily, you know, build something that is uh, much more robust. You will look better than everyone else, including the people that are at the office. And it's not hard to do that. And um, if you're working from home and you want to keep working from home, it's a pretty important um, thing to, to think about. Next question. From David Brady, New York, New York. So I got a new phone and restored profile from backup. The OH radio app is in a susten suspended state, but when defrosting throws an air to reinstall, redirects to the app store and dead ends. How can I get it back? Um, I don't know. I think I would uninstall test flight and then reinstall it. The other thing I will tell you is that I never restore phones. Um, you know, I never restore anything ever. My my wife and I just got a, just got a new computer. We were talking about this. Is like I never copy from one an old device to a new device ever. Um, it brings it brings old things with it. It creates little er errata. I you know, especially with the iPhone, it, there's so little that's saved in it. It's almost all cloud. You, what I do is I don't want the, all the same app. I I go in. And I install the apps as I use them. If I kept all the apps on the phone that have ever been on my phone, I'd have pages, you know, extra pages of stuff. It's bad enough, but I add them as I'm interested in them. As I'm, oh yeah, and I just download them from the cloud again. Um, so that's a, you know, I, I would uh, highly recommend 
doing that, I mean, what I would probably do is, again, if you got a new phone, David, if you got a new phone right now, you know, the phone, the new phone is released next week. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Uh, go ahead, Laura. I absolutely second your um, never, re- never reinstalling from a backup. Um, I know from all the struggles I've had diagnosing assistive technology and from some very high level assistive technology people that that even cloning exact same hardware and cloning an operating system can give you different results. So you want to start clean with everything. Next question. From Douglas Carmichael, if you're using a layer two VPN like zero tier, what is the most effective way to transport NDI across the internet? And a zero tier.com link is there. Go ahead, Samuel. Uh, well, NDI isn't really designed to go over the internet, but there's this your app uh, called NDI Bridge. It's like a gateway uh, you put on each side, and then you can uh, effectively uh, transport the NDI uh, signals uh, and also the uh, other the uh, the control PTC control and other data over the NDI Bridge. Next question from Jacques. Lomontreux, New Orleans, Louisiana. What's the best speaker and amp setup with balanced wiring for playing guitar and bass on stage? Go ahead, Mitchell. Jacques, uh, one of the cool uh, systems out there, and they kind of invented the category, uh, is the Bose L1 Pro series. Uh, they have these uh, large speaker arrays that are stacked, and they can break down nicely into a roll-around case. Uh, so it's good if you're doing portable uh, events and things like that. And also, they've got a bunch of different versions of it that you can build on to uh, improve the mixing capability, uh, all the types of inputs, uh, EQ, et cetera, et cetera. Just a, a, a great thing. If you want to take a look at one, go to your nearest guitar center, I guess in New Orleans, they've got one. Uh, check it out. You can probably play it and see if you like it. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I was going to say, Jacques, considering you're from New Orleans, New Orleans has a long history of great you know, professional working musicians. And best might be too big. What, you're, what you probably want, I'm guessing, sorry, is uh, something that's going to sound great. It's going to make you, you know, be able to express yourself well but easy to pack in and out of all the various clubs and venues that you're probably playing in, hopefully playing in. Um, my favorite as an audio engineer are the amp simulators. And unfortunately, I don't have a name for you, but what I would look into is the category of the amp simulators, where you're going to plug your, your uh, guitar or bass into a box that then has direct outs for the house, but it'll also have the ability, um, and by plugging it into the house, they can fold it back to you. Now, what you might want to do is set up some sort of uh, touring in-ear thing where regardless of what size or which venue you're at, you and your band, you already have your monitor mix dialed in, which you can do in your rehearsal studio. Okay, so you get that all set up, and then you just have direct outs that you feed to the house. But I really like the amp simulators because you can get all kinds of great sounds from them, but you don't have to carry around big, giant you know, cabinets and stuff like that. And if you do this professionally and, you don't, and you're not at the level where you can afford cartage and you can afford you know, guitar techs and stuff like that, you're going to have to carry it yourself, and less is more. Next question. From Paul Wallace, Austin, Texas. 
California Forever, the company backed by tech billionaires that wants to build a city in the Bay Area's Solano County, unveiled a website explaining the plans. Compare to Neom in Saudi Arabia, and there's a CaliforniaForever.com link. Good, Courtney. Well, Neom, wasn't that that long, yes, ver- the long mm-hmm. strip? Well, this is something else. This is not uh, linear. It's a... Uh, uh, more like Epcot, uh, you know, mm-hmm. an experimental prototype mm-hmm. city of tomorrow with all everything underground and, and who knows if this is ever going to come to fruition. You know, they see it as this kind of magical place in California with grapes in the vine and uh, free-flowing it's a, it's, wine. <laughs> it's a geeky city for rich, rich geeks. For rich I mean, geeks. it's rich. Yeah, it's for rich geeks. Um, so they have it all. It'll look idyllic on the top and have all the tech underneath. Um, but it's not really efficient, and it's not something that you could extend. They're not trying to. They're not trying to change the world. They're just trying to find a better place for them to live outside of the outside of the Silicon Valley. That's my opinion. <laughs> like I looked at it, I was like, "Well, this isn't very efficient." <laughs> so, so anyway, it's not mm, uh, short. It, I, it might be a nice place to stay. Uh, I bet you everything will be a million dollars above and above. Um, next question from Hajmuk Gajar, Cape Town, South Africa. Quiet theater calamity with iPhone. When I join office hours on my iPhone, I remain muted. As soon as I join QMT breakout room, I am unmuted. This can be soul destroying. Zoom iPhone settings is set to mic to mute. Ideas? Uh, I don't know what we have our settings set to. I think that we should make sure that our settings are set to mute on entry. And that might be something, a setting on our side to do that as well. Um, but it's also why I oftentimes have hardware mute things set up <laughs> so so that I'm not, um, that I can't. The reason I like hardware mutes, both on my camera, that's why I have a switcher and, and this, not the only reason, is that, you know, when I when I leave my, when I leave office hours, I do this. So now I'm, Oh, no. And that's a mute on my hardware audio and my hardware video. Yeah, except when I hit it twice hard. Um, but I don't want that. That closes things off. Like it's not going to now go out somewhere. And I'd highly recommend thinking about that. For the I don't join the the thing with the phone very often. But I think on our end we have to set something for that. So we'll look at that. Um, I believe that we should. Be, I believe to to your point. Uh, Hosmuk, that everyone should always have power to decide whether their phone is closed or not, you know, and they don't. Like, uh, to your problem, what I really hate is if someone has a meeting, have, uh, I will not, I will om- I will always call in if, if, I, if, I, if I have a, someone who calls me into a meeting and I go in on Zoom and it automatically opens my camera, I've decided that vendor will always have me dial in. <laughs> like, like I will dial in, I will dial in as a phone number because, because it's not, I don't feel like I'm safe. Like I want to be able to turn on my phone. I never want it to turn on my, my camera without me asking. And people have that set in their settings and it should never do that. It should always be off on entry. It should never be on on entry. So it might be something that we're doing. So we'll, we'll take a look at it. Um, but it should, everything should always be off on entry. Um, go ahead, Kent, uh, Courtney. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Because there is a setting because mute mute mic on entry, but maybe it's he says it's muted when he enters the uh, yeah, but I, enters the room. But when he goes to a breakout room, it unmutes on there. Maybe taking our. I mean, we'll, we'll have to take a look at an arts because I haven't I haven't really looked at it for for those. I know that for the stuff I build, it's always off on entry. I I, I that's a it's a setting inside the meeting, and maybe overriding it somewhere. That it's probably a bug. So we'll we'll report that as well. Um, next question. 
from John Fisher, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. What's a good sub $50 lightweight pair of headphones with 3.5 millimeter for quick calls when I don't want to fuss with my Shure SE 215 Pro earphones? Good, Mitchell. John, I'm using the 215. I have them stuck in my skull right here. They're like bolts inside my head. Um, I didn't use them when I was in radio. When I was in radio, I used a pair of headphones. Um, these are the headphones of choice. Uh, you can probably see them on Chris Fenwick's head, the 7506 Sony's. Well, I'll do it there so you can see it better. Um, on sale, you could probably get them around 55 bucks, typically $75. These are quicker on the head. Um, these are better appearance-wise, so you don't have to see headphones on my head. Yeah, I, I really like the, the uh, Linsole, I think they're the KZ10s, um, and you can get those with and without the phone, um, with it without the microphone. I will say that when you go down and lower price, including the Shures, um, they're not very good microphones. So they don't, um, so if you want to sound good on a call, um, if you just want to listen to a call or listen to stuff, then it's fine. If you want to actually um, uh, sound good, then the first, the lowest quality one that I, that I use is the, is the open comms with a, with a boom. And the reason I use that one is specifically because I sound more clear to people who are doing it and it gets rid of a lot more of the background noise. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, Mitch is right. The reason I wear the headphones is because I am often called away to do something and I, I just have to take them off real quick. Uh, Mitch, I'm a little disappointed. I really took you for a V6 guy, not the <laughs> 7560s. The seventy five oh six is Chris make me sound good to myself. So, you know, <laughs> the V six you know, may the have original, a great EQ. Though. They just make me sound <laughs> good. This is the original. This is this is the one that Sony made, and then Sony discontinued. And pro audio people around the globe fought for it, and they brought it back for like another decade. What you have is just a it's a cheap knockoff. Yeah. Next question from Jenny Bosham. Chambo, Natchitoshi, Louisiana. I have to broadcast surgical procedures for a big conference. How do I get gear that is compliant with the medical regulations, exposure, and use in an OR? Is there any AV and streaming gear that is already medically compliant? Where do I find it? Well, so the first thing is, is that we move all the gear out of out of the actual room. And usually these rooms are kind of built for it. So they'll, they'll have cameras. You're really trying to feed into the cameras that they have. I mean, some of them are, are stuff that they use inside of surgery. And some of them are high and wides. And a lot of those are already built in. So you're really asking for that interface. If you actually have to put your own in, um, then I, I have we have some members that deal with this. And so I'll, I'll reach out to them and see if we can't get more information about how they do that. But um, to my knowledge, they're using PTZs. I think it's, um, but I, I don't think, you know, they're, but they're not, they have a pretty wide variety that they can use. Um, I believe their last discussion I had with them is they were using FR7s. Um, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I did some of this about 35 years ago, and I was horribly ill-equipped for working in uh, OR video stuff because of the blood. And I remember the first time blood came out, I had to reach up and turn down the chroma on all the, the CRTs in front of me. And the director looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I go, do you want me to be upright or do you want me to pass out? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm done if I have to look at all that red. You obviously didn't grow up on a farm. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Blood no everywhere way. all the time. No, like it, was it, was his, it was so bad. And, um, but I, it doesn't surprise me that there's a lot of regulations. Uh, back then, we, we just had guys with, you know, Sony cameras in, in the OR. My interest, my my intro to being my first day on the farm when I was working at my grandfather's farm. My my, my home farm was nothing, but there was a cow ahead of us, cyst that was 
this big on the side. We had to pop it. And it was just like all kinds of stuff came out of it. And I was like, okay, well, here's the farm. The worst <laughs> part about it, Alex, is this wasn't even real surgery. It was catheters, you know, like through the yeah, groin. Yeah. And the guy did the okay, first yeah. incision and it was like drip, drip. And I was done. <laughs> I, I was like cold sweat, yeah. like like I was a wheezy. I literally had to turn down all the chroma, and I was like, e- either I'm upright or you're cutting this thing yourself. Yeah, you know, because I'm about to check out here. My mother didn't. My I won't tell. If you ask me on Sunday, I'll tell you something. Yeah, go ahead, Lauren. The other thing I'd I'd like to remind them is that you also want to look at your platform and make sure your platform is compliant. Yeah, Zoom has. Um, Zoom does. I know. I know that's why a lot of universities and schools use Teams over Zoom. But Zoom does have um, education and medical compliant. And then there's platforms like Doxy.me for two way and things of that nature. Next question from Douglas Carmichael: How well does NDI KVM work in comparison to other remote control solutions like Parsec and No Machine NX? What are the advantages of NDI KVM? I don't know. I haven't used it. I don't think anyone here has has that. We had a great, great team yesterday. We'll hopefully bring them back, talk more about NDI. Um, Next question. Paul Wallace, Austin, Texas writes, iPhone 15 lineup predictions. Do you agree with Mac rumors? Launch uh, September 12th, which has been announced. iPhone 15, 749. The Plus, 849. The Pro, 1099. Pro Max, 1299. Go ahead, Chris. All we know for certain, and you can read all the rumor sites, but all we know for certain about what the next iPhone will be is that it will be the best iPhone ever. (laughs) I'm just waiting for some year where they say, you know, it was a hard year and um, we couldn't make it better. So we're going to make it a little less, but we'll cut a little. Actually, we charge a little more. We tried, but this was the best we we could come up with. (laughs) best we could do it's okay it's it's not as good we had to get rid of some of the components we got some problems in china you if know you like you know team you'll be fine you don't need the 15. Like, every time they say it's the best ever like if it wasn't why why would you why would you do that like why would you you know like why would why are we even here so it's just a funny it's i a will funny say term. this apple's apple's pretty good about keeping the the new prices the same as the old prices yeah. they no, no, i think there was some rumor about it might go up because you know buttons are more expensive who knows it doesn't matter it's gonna it's gonna happen in a couple of weeks watch you'll, you'll learn with the rest of us uh next question paul wallace from austin texas is back can mike uh mitchell explain why he wants to imagine his voice dipped in butter with an sm7 and a Camelin yeah, okay. SM Smooth. <laughs> do you eat, okay. <laughs> where I, do you even get an SM7 these days? Did MH mean SM7B? Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, Mitchell. I I, I don't. I don't get yeah, quick tired. background. It's a dedicated device uh, at Angry Audio Mix called Smooth that is tweaked to work well with the SM7 series of Shure microphones, and they also have one for uh, Electro Voice RE20s, 20 series. So I do like my voice dipped in butter. Thank you. 
<laughs> so anyway, so we're we're um, the reason we're we're going to go ahead and uh, we we are out of questions for today. Um, and uh, Saturdays are this is Labor Day Saturday, so I kind of set everybody up for that. So we have a nice perfect hour here uh, right now, and um, so I'm going to let everyone go and enjoy their Saturday um, and and have it be there. But I think that uh, I want to thank everybody here. Um, thank the incredible team here. We got through a lot of questions. It just wasn't we're not we weren't rushing through them. We weren't slow through them. We were just answering the questions as needed and we, we, we did get through a fair number of them. Um, and so, uh, so I just want to thank, uh, thank everybody on air. I want to thank all the, um, the incredible folks on the, on the, you know, even on a week on this weekend, Peter's here cutting away shows and Alan is managing the questions and Gordon is, is, is <laughs> looking at what's, what didn't work. And, uh, and so, and I want to thank, and Robert, it's great to have you here. So it's good. It's good to have you, have you jumping on and, uh, and, and thank you to the entire panel. We can't do this without you. Um, and thanks to the, again, the management team, the development team, everyone there. And thanks to the producers for all the great questions. Um, and, uh, I think that it's um, you know it's going to be a good good Saturday. We had such a great week. I think I think I think also I'm 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 ready to take a rest. It was a good week. Um, I I especially want to um, thank Josh. You know Josh Kaufman. I don't think anyone knows how much work it took for him to have last week go so well. Um, you know I think he's really low key. He doesn't talk about it, but that's an immense amount of work. Like it was an immense amount of work that was way over what everyone else is used to doing, you know, for this. And, um, and he really did just such a great job as probably last week I thought was one of our, uh, peak, you know, peak office hour weeks. And we'll talk about that more tomorrow. Um, but it doesn't get done without folks like Josh and doesn't get done without everyone who's working on the management, the council, the councils are making this whole thing so much better. You know, we're, we're having these discussions, all of these subjects are going to keep on. I mean, I think that we look at last week as I look at last week as one of the most successful weeks we've had, um, as far as all five days together. And I think that in three months, they're all like that. You know, like, like, you know, like that. And that's what can happen um, because we're all doing this together. So between the producers asking questions and the, and the panelists showing up and being part of this conversation and the incredible management and development teams, we get to create content where we get to learn a lot. I mean, I learned a lot in one week, you know, from all of these experts. And we don't get to do that by ourselves. We get to do that because we're all willing to do some of this stuff, um, you know, together. And it was just an incredible lift by everyone. I just wanted to call out Josh because I don't think we mention him by name very often, but... He's, you know, a sinew that holds a lot of this stuff together and we really appreciate his, his effort. Um, and, um, and so uh, anyway, we, and so I think that, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's, I think I was really excited about what we did last week and, um, I think everyone did a really, really good job. And again, I'm having fun meeting with the councils and figuring out what we're doing next. And, um, if you're interested in all of those things, definitely, uh, jump in. Remember that in two weeks, uh, IBC will be covered. Um, and, uh, they're going to take over after hours before office hours on the 15th. And then they're going to be doing, um, taking over office hours on the 16th on a Saturday. It's two weeks from today. So stay tuned for, um, for that. NAB is going to be a big deal. So if you want to be, uh, on the panel, um, you know, this is a couple, a month afterwards. If you want to be on the panel, if you want to be on site, if you want to work on it remotely, I would highly recommend looking for the sign up page. It looks like we're going to get space um, there. So it's going to be that uh, we're kind of both IBC and I think NAB is going to be a step forward to what we've been working on. So, so it's all going in the right direction. All right, everyone. I don't know how, how far we travel. I bet you we didn't travel very far today. Ah, 60,000 miles, 96,000 kilometers, 475 million bananas for scale. All right. Have a good, have a good, uh, weekend or I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>
<laughs> I could say weekend, like we're going to take the time off, but we're not. All right. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump into after hours. Rumor has it they may change NAB to National Association of Webcasters. Of webcasters? Yeah. They what, no. what, what is it? Never no. have. No. 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 Broadcasters no. will not allow it. No. <laughs> <laughs>